Awesome. Thank you very much. Hey, you may be seated. Awesome. Phenomenal. Hey, Musos, I'm going to use you in 20 minutes. So you either choose to stay on the stage or you can have a 20-minute break and sit down for a moment. Is that, is that all good? All right. So make a choice. <laughs> Phenomenal. It's good to be here. I love being in Dunedin. I love being with uh, Pastor Willie and Desiree and the family. And, and I love being with you guys. What, what I want to do tonight before we minister, we're going to spend some time ministering. So just for 10, 20 minutes, I just want to open up the Word just to create or just to paint a, a framework of why we're ministering tonight. All right. Often when a prophetic ministry comes through, you know, um, and I find it from my, I guess from a prophet's point of view, you know, people queue up for words and, and it's almost a bit like getting a, you know, people wanting a Christian horoscope, amen. Um, but, that, but that's not why we minister. It's not to, to um, you know, just, there's purpose associated and attached to, to ministry. And I want to, I guess, paint a picture around that so that, uh, that, so that you can understand why I do what I do, and why God has equipped me to do what I do. Amen? Because out of that, you'll then find why you're getting ministered to, and because God wants to release you into purpose, right? It's all attached to purpose. It's not just some random thing where God speaks into your world, and you feel good for a couple of hours, and go home and think, wow, I've got this word, and, and, and do nothing. No, it's, it's actually God wants to activate and release things in our lives. And, and the first thing we need to understand, and, and I guess from a prophetic point of view, you know, if you were to find a picture that best represents a prophetic ministry, it'll be an eagle. An eagle can see. Part of a prophetic ministry is to be able to see uh, beyond, uh, I guess, the natural sight that we have as human beings to see. And and uh, and prophets are now to be people that see into the spirit realm and all that sort of stuff. And, and often it can be perceived as a ministry that's a bit weird because when it comes to the prophetic, there are some uh, weird things that are connected, not connected, but... Uh, there's some extremes and weirdo things that take place, and and uh, I want to eliminate all that because it, it's it's just the prophetic ministry is is as natural as any other gift that God gives to the body of Christ. Uh, but it's, unfortunately, some people take the prophetic ministry and they and they spoil what it represents. And a lot of people are afraid of the prophetic because associated with the prophetic is a lot of weird stuff. Uh, let's eliminate the weird stuff and let's get to the real spiritual stuff, which is, which is the simplicity of, 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 of ministry. Amen? You know, as Christians, we like to get really fancy and, and, and try to complicate things and make us look really special by being complicated. But really, everything when it comes to, when it comes to God is simple. All right? I mean, he chose fishermen, for goodness sake. And I'm not saying that fishermen are simple. If you're a fisherman, I'm sorry. But what I'm saying, they are men that were, of the day, they were just down-to-earth blokes that understood the reality and the depth of the gospel. And, uh, and uh, I'm a southern man from, from Invercargill, and, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and I come from a, a similar sort of blue-collar background as Pastor Willie, and we want, I like things simple, right? Right? And, uh, and, and I love the fact that when we come into, a, into the context of, of, of your church here in Dunedin, it's, a, it's, a, it's known as a university city, a university uh, church uh, because of students. And, and often people think that the best way to minister in a, in a, into a space like this is, to, is that you need to be intellectual because you're dealing with intellectual minds. 
But I've come to learn that the best way to deal with people who are brainy is just to come in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit because no one understands how it all works. Because <laughs> uh, when we try and work it out, you know, we, we get ourselves all tied up in knots. But uh, when God turns up and just does things that's beyond human rationale and reasoning, uh, we just go, okay, God, awesome. And, uh, and my role is to activate the supernatural, activate the things of the Spirit. And, and I want us to understand that we, what we see with the natural eye, what we sense with the, is with the, the five senses that we have with our, with our sight, our hearing, our, our, our touch, and our tasting, and our smelling, that, all of that stuff that we see does not necessarily form what is real. You know, it helps us understand the world that we live in, but beyond what we see with those five senses or, or operate in those senses, is the supernatural realm of the, of the spirit, right? You understand that? There are angels and demons. There, you know, there's a supernatural realm. And, uh, and often in church, we sort of avoid speaking about some of those things, but they, it's, a real, it's a real realm. There's a, there is a devil, and there are demonic forces at work who are, who, who, who's their, their role is to steal, kill, and destroy. Their mandate is simply to steal, kill, and destroy. They want to give you a bad day. And when you're having a bad day, they want to, they're relentless to keep it bad. Amen? But we serve a God who's, who's, who's given us the mission. We have the mandate to, to bring life and life in its full in the name of Jesus. So we operate contrary to the things of the enemy. And where the enemy's brought uh, havoc and pain and destruction, we bring restoration, healing, and life. Amen? So that's, that's the reality of the of the of the of the mission and of the, of the work that we're involved in. We're, we're operating more, uh, it's more than just a philosophy of understanding that we operate in. We're not just, you know, we just don't have a belief system and we go, woo, I'm a Christian, and sit back and, and believe a whole lot of, you know, philosophical views. No, no, we, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit because of our faith in Jesus Christ to actually transform our communities, to transform cities, to transform a nation. We have power that's been bestowed upon us by the Holy Spirit to push back forces of darkness. To see the God's kingdom reign. If we, if we read in the, in the Bible, we know in the, in the, in the book of Daniel, it talks about how Daniel, you know, he, he was reading the book of Jeremiah and he, and he realized after 69 years, as he read that, because he read in, the, in chapter 25 of Jeremiah, that, the, that the, the Israel was going to be in captivity only for 70 years. And he looked at his calendar, looked at his watch, and he realized, hey, man, this is the 69th year. Next year, we're supposed to be set free. We're not supposed to be captive in Babylon uh, forever. We're supposed to be free after 70 years. That's what the prophet has prophesied. And so he began to pray. He began to assault uh, the, uh, in the spirit realm and start to push in and to pray. And the Bible says that on chapter 10, that after 21 days, of praying that an angel came to him and said to him, dude, God heard you from the very first day you began praying. But I was not able to get to you because I had to contend with the, with the Prince of Persia. And the Prince of Persia was not some man uh, who, who, who sits in the royal palace in, in the natural sense. It was a power, a spiritual being that had reigned over that territory because of uh, the door that was opened to him through occultic practices. All right, so he was contending. The angel was contending with a demonic force. And he had to wrestle and fight with this force. And the only reason why he overcame this force is because Daniel continued to pray uh, for 21 days. And in the midst of that, you know, while he was praying, he says, your angel came and helped me. Your angel Michael came and helped me. And we over, overtook uh, the, uh, the, the prince of Persia. Now I'm here to deliver the message. Amen. 
I want you to understand that our prayers make a difference. That, uh, that, uh, that uh, and I loved what uh, was said uh, tonight, that our, prayer has, our praise has power because we're pushing back forces of darkness. We're creating an environment where angels gather. We may look back and we can rationalize it and think, oh, why does God need help? If he's God, he can do it himself. Well, God could do it himself. He's a sovereign God. The devil is a creative being. God is the creator. And so he's, it's not a battle of equals. God is all powerful. The devil may be powerful, but God is all powerful. But he's chosen that, that for us to operate in faith. Part of our operation of faith is to rise up and contend against a spiritual force. When the Israelites took over uh, uh, the promised land, God led 31 kings for them to overtake. Why did he do that? The Bible says uh, that, uh, that in Joshua that God left those kings there to teach the people of Israel how to fight, how to war. And that's a shadow of what we are meant to be doing in the New Testament. We are called to war. We are called to battle. And, uh, and tonight, I want us to understand that there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a spiritual realm that we have the power to affect through our steps of faith, by, by our declarations of faith, by our, 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 our dedication to prayer, by, our, by our, you know, our proclamations of praise. We have the power to affect and change uh, the environment of, of, in which we live. We can change the atmosphere. We can change the world that we live in. And faith is what makes the difference. Now let's get into the New Testament to help me illustrate where we're going with this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we find Paul, and I'm not going to talk about the particular context that he was talking in this chapter. He was debating with the Corinthians concerning the resurrection of the dead, but he makes an interesting statement. He says, if I, bought, if I fought with the wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human reasons, then what's the point if the, if the, if the dead do not rise back to life? What Paul was saying is this, the spiritual battle that I contended with in the, in the, in the city of Ephesus, if I, if I fought that for merely human beings, then what for, uh, reasons, then it's just a waste of time. But I actually fought against wild beasts. And listen, listen to me, the, the, the words that he's using here is not, it's not literal. He's not saying he fought with lions, all right? He's not saying that he fought with any wild dogs. What he was saying is that he fought against principalities and powers over a city. And if we read uh, in uh, chapter uh, 19, I think it is, of, uh, of Acts, we find the actual outworking of what goes on here in Ephesus. Paul finds himself bringing revival to a city. But in order to see that revival come, he had to contend with a spiritual force that created an open heaven over the place when he over, overcame it in Jesus' name. And as we read chapter 19, uh, we find that uh, in Acts, we find that there's a strategy for winning cities. Amen? Strategy for winning cities. And, 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 and uh, I'll leave it to you to read it and, and study that and find that strategy there. But in the midst of it all, you know, just to help illustrate the battle that we're in, Paul wanted to get to Asia Minor, which was a, which was a, a, uh, a, a province in which Ephesus was the capital city. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit forbid him from going there, so he went other places. And then in God's timing, Paul had a, had a vision of a Macedonian man, which happens to be uh, a city within Asia Minor. And so God opened the door at the right time for him to go to Asia Minor. And Paul obviously recognized in order to win a province, let's uh, take the capital city. So he goes to Ephesus. So he arrives, arrives at the city of Ephesus. And the first thing he does, he finds believers. 
So he looks and searches out the, the believers that are there. He gathers them all together, and he gets them up to speed with the current revelation of where things are at. So he asks them, so you guys have been baptized by, by John. I understand that, but have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit, the baptism of Jesus? And they says, no. So he gets them up to speed. He unpacks the word and explains to them what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then he baptizes them in the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak in tongues. Awesome. So he's got them all on the same page, understanding what it is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and how to operate in spiritual power. And they begin to pray. And the Bible says that they, he starts preaching. For two years he preaches the message of the kingdom. And after two years of plowing into that space and after two years of, of his Core team, praying in the Spirit and creating an atmosphere of breakthrough. After two years, the Spirit of God just breaks open in that place and there's a revival. And we find that the result of the revival is this, is that all the people who get saved, they bring all their occultic books, they bring all their idols, they throw them in the middle of the city and they have a big bonfire burning you know, thousands of dollars worth of paraphernalia that are dedicated to occultic practices. And, and it gets up the nose of those who don't believe in Jesus in the city and there's a big riot it takes place and there's not raw. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's church as it should be. Amen. You know, and, uh, and, and things happen. But what I want you to understand here tonight is this. You know, we, God has asked us to contend against spiritual forces in the name of Jesus. Jesus came to do two things. Number one, he came to seek and save the lost. And number two, he came to destroy the devil's works. And the church has a mandate to do those two very things. Number one, seek and save the lost and to destroy the devil's works. Now, how do we destroy the devil's works? Now, I don't want to get spooky on this. It's not about us going up to mountains and praying and shouting at demons and da-da-da. It's not about that. It's about going into where darkness reigns and bringing the light of God. Where sickness reigns, bring healing. How to destroy devil's works? People are paralyzed, people are sick, people are trapped. Go in there and bring the opposite in the name of Jesus. This is what makes Christianity exciting is when we actually go out and stomp on the devil's works. You know, you know, when we go to battle, the trophies of our battle is souls. The trophy of the fight that we're engaged in is souls. And I got to tell you, when I understood this, when my head came, got, uh, came into a place of understanding why I exist as a Christian, it made all sense and it became exciting. Oh, Christianity is more than about just coming to church and lifting up my hands and doing Simon Says. Christianity is about going out into the world and bringing life with his death, bringing light with his darkness, bringing healing with his sickness, bringing about uh, deliverance with his captivity in Jesus' name, going out and casting out demons. And I got to tell you, there are a lot of demons around. Not that we should be looking under our chairs for them. We just need to go into places and cast them out in the name of Jesus. Tonight as we minister and as I prophesy and, and as we create an environment where people are just getting touched by the power of God, it's for this very reason that why you're getting touched by the power of God. It's so that you would rise up and engage in the battle that we're called to in Jesus' name. The reason why we exist as a church is so that we can engage in the battle corporately together because we can't do it on our own. We've never been called to exist on our own. We're an army called together to take a territory for God. We're an apostolic church called to take this territory for Jesus. And like, you know, like Daniel, as he prayed, you know, he, he had a, an angel that came to him that, you know, he had to contend with the principality of Persian and finally got to, you know, to 
to the to where Daniel was in Babylon. I mean, I just have a sense that God wants us to contend with some spiritual forces. You know, the principality of Atiron, angel overcoming that that particular principality and coming in and overtaking the, the principality of Otago. Amen. And then, you know, just imagine at the end of your Daniel fast. Uh, Daniel fast, just reminding you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Daniel fast, and in the Daniel fast, and the angel of the Lord turns up and says, hey, man, I, I, I heard your prayers. God heard your prayers from the very first day, but I had to contend with the spirit, the principality of Aotearoa, and then I had to contend with the principality of Otago, but now I'm here. Your prayers has brought through an answer, and here's the answer. I'm delivering you an answer. God wants you to be mobilized to see a city one for Jesus. I see the city one for Christ. I'll be, oh, pass. They all pass and say that. Never seen a city one. Nineveh. Nineveh got saved. That's a city. When we look at Ephesus, when uh, God turned up, that place was turned upside down, a move of God. When we look in, uh, in that, uh, even recent history, we look at the Welsh revival. We look at some of the revivals. And, we, and I love reading stories of, of, of revival. I believe that God wants to move, and He is moving in our nation. But I want to encourage you tonight. God has called you to be part of the answer. God has called you to be engaged in the battle. And He's called you to carry trophies of salvation, carry trophies of victory, of healing and miracles in the name of Jesus. We serve a healing God. We serve a miraculous working God, a miracle working God. We serve a God that is able to deliver. And He's called you and I to be, to be carriers of that very anointing to see people come to a place of fruitfulness and life in Jesus' name. So tonight, before we even begin to lay hands on people and to pray, I, I just want to provoke us here tonight. Come on, let's, let's understand the reality of, in which we live. You know, the reality in which we live is, is more than, you know, the, what we see with the natural eye, what we hear with the natural ears, more than what we see and taste and feel. There's something greater. The Bible puts it this way. Those who have ears, let them hear. Those with eyes, let them see what the Spirit of the Lord is doing. It says in Romans 8, that those who are led by the Spirit of God had the right to be called sons and daughters of God. To be led by the Spirit of God, we've got to be able to hear and see. Tonight, can you hear and see? And if you can't hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you, if you can't see what the Spirit of the Lord is doing, if you can't navigate your Christian walk, tonight I want to open up the atmosphere of this place to the point where you would find breakthrough in this realm in Jesus' name. Because I believe that God wants us to be people who are led by the Spirit of God, that we are engaged in the battle, that we together will know what it is to uh, be victors in the sense of not overcoming, just overcoming sin. We spoke about that this morning. We're not just victors in the sense of overcoming the devil. We're victors in the sense that we've gone and we've plundered hell and we've brought out trophies of salvation in the name of Jesus. Amen.